Hi there, welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm John Collins. For this week's show, I chatted to the elusive brains behind the SaaS innovation that Forbes dubbed a virtual whiteboard on steroids. Andre Kuset is founder and CEO of Miro. He hasn't done many interviews, so we were delighted that he joined us in the studio. We chatted about the company's evolution from real-time board, a tool beloved by the UX community, to Miro, a rapidly growing company that boasts Dell, Netflix, Ikea, and Spotify, to name just a few of their customers. We talked about the reality and future of distributed teamwork, and Andre shared his advice for scaling a business across continents and time zones. It's a compelling conversation with a talent you don't often get to hear from. So without further ado, let's head over to the studio. So Andre, delighted to have you on the podcast and, and welcome to Inside Intercom. Uh, so you're obviously CEO and founder of Miro, the, the visual collaboration platform. Can you give us a, a bit of background on how, how you came to found the company and, and, and yourself and your experience? Sure. Hi, hi, John. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Um, yeah, we were running with my co-founder, a design agency, and we noticed that there is a huge problem to communicate with our clients uh, who are remote to us. So we thought, like, what, what can be a solution there? And we thought, like, maybe we can create something like a whiteboard, but online. And that's where we started with Mira. And at that time, it was a real-time board. So it became Mira just half a year back. Okay, and wh- why the switch of name from real-time board to Miro? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. So we, we want to be not just a company, but a love mark to accelerate our word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So Miro is a famous Spanish artist who inspired us. His paintings have like different shapes with very bright colors, and we found our boards are kind of the same. So we see every user, creator, as an artist, and their boards are kind of unique canvases. So we wanted to bring a little bit of art into day-to-day job of every person who uses our product. And of course, uh, when, when Miro.com is available, I suppose that also helps if you're, if, if, you know, if you're thinking of changing a name. Uh, yeah, I mean, like we, we bought this uh, domain, so uh, it was not kind of like available. Um, we bought it from another company, so it was pre- pretty difficult process. But yeah, it was great that we had a chance to have it finally. And yeah, it, it, it's great. And people love it, especially those who are in design, in product management. So they totally understand the, the change and they inspired with the company and the product. And obviously, you, you mentioned there, you know, designers and product people use the product that, and that's kind of your own background. I mean, is that, is that kind of where you initially found traction with designers and product teams? Yeah, so uh, th- th- there were like uh, several group of users who initially started to use our product. So designers are one of those and then product managers. And then we see like people who use whiteboards on a regular basis, like Scrum Masters, Agile Coaches, Project Managers, Program Managers, those who are working on a strategy. So there are a lot of people who can benefit from a whiteboard in real life. So they, they move to Mira. And once you have someone who is not collocated with you, you have to use something online. So that's where we come in and become helpful for those teams. And I think uh, it was Forbes maybe called your, your real-time board back in t- 2011 when you, when you launched a virtual whiteboard on steroids. Do you think that description still fits? Absolutely. The only thing I would add now is online whiteboarding platform on steroids. So we think about ourselves not just like a whiteboard, but whiteboarding platform. So we, we switched recently from product to platform, and we want to double down on that. So every user, every customer can extend the functionality of the product of the platform that we provide. 
That's quite interesting. So, I mean, are you building integrations yourselves? Are you opening up to partners? How, how have you made that switch from, from product to platform? Yeah, so we, we, we've built a lot of integrations ourselves, the core integrations like Jira, Slack, Confluence. So those are products that people use uh, a lot with our product. And we want other people to build the integrations they need. So we, that's one of the uh, angles, how our platform work is provide this API for integrations. But it's not the only thing. So there are other things that you can do with the platform. For example, you can embed Mira into any other product. So you can bring whiteboard into whatever product you, you, you need, productivity or LMS or collaboration product. And also you can build plugins and extensions for the core product. Mm -hmm. So it also allows you to shape the product in the way your company would, would use it. I mean, we've, we've talked a lot in the past and, and quite recently we had an episode about you know, moving from product to platform. You know, what, what, kind of, what was the, I suppose, the spur for you guys uh, to, to make that move? Because what, what, you know, I think everyone talks about platforms, but you know, to actually do it properly and it sounds like you guys have, have really invested in it, 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 you know, it is a big investment. What, what, what really spurred you on to do it? Or how did you know the time was right even? Uh, yeah, so uh, there are several things why we think a platform makes a lot of sense for our customers and users. We want them to kind of like tailor their experience in the way they need. Mm -hmm. And to do that, they need some functionality and possibilities on, in our product to shape the product in, in the way they need. So we, we, we decided to not to build everything ourselves, but to make sure that people can, can build and extend our product. Mm -hmm. And also, we're not thinking only about development platforms, so developers' platforms. We also think about community and consultants and professional services as an ecosystem around our product. So we also build a platform for them. Uh, we recently released a directory where our customers can find professionals mm -hmm. who already work with Mira and who also can help them to like, build the best processes uh, in agile development, in design thinking, and so on and so on. So the platform is beyond developers. It's uh, like more about the ecosystem we want to build around our company. Okay, so it's not just a, a case of purely integrations. It's, you know, as you say, partners who maybe have an interesting way or very developed ways of, of using Mira. You're also exposing them to the community. Exactly, exactly. So we want to have like developers community, want to have like professional services consultants community on top of our core product. And we see ourselves as a building uh, like an ecosystem uh, that can help people to connect and get value out of that. And, you know, have you been surprised at any of the directions people have taken the product in or are the integrations that they've asked for are built themselves? Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, we see like we, we launched the platform um, in private beta like several months back, but we already see 200 private plugins that are built on our platform and companies use them. So it was like a pretty surprise how, how quick it started to ramp up. And also, like we see some plugins, we would not <laughs> think about think about like uh, like you, you you design features, you design product, but you you can't imagine like what problems people have and how uh, creative they can be in solving those problems. And we are so inspired by some of those examples that we even reshape our thinking how how our platform can evolve. So that's uh, really really good to see the traction that we have all the pl uh, plugins we see on the platform already. Is that, a, is that a challenge for a founder? I mean, obviously, you've kind of controlled the development of the product and the direction it's gone in. But suddenly, when you, you move to this platform play, you know, it can go anywhere and you're, you're no longer really in control as, as much as you were in the past. 
That's true from one end, but uh, there are two different dimensions. So, like as I mentioned, currently all plugins are in private mode, so they are used only by companies inside the companies, and we are absolutely okay that companies can develop whatever they need. And then um, we will definitely add some of those into our public marketplace, but it will be curated by our company. Okay. So in, in this case, we will definitely pick uh, things that are most relevant to our audience, use cases. Yeah, but when the company uses for private purposes, they can do whatever they need. <laughs> so and we see a lot of those cases. Yeah. And it's quite interesting. You mentioned obviously the professional services model because certainly that was my my experience with with, with uh, real time board as it was two years ago. That you know we were working with a WordPress development agency and and they actually were were using it to share research with us. And suddenly we were like, wow, this is this is a really easy tool. It's a you know perfect tool for for distributed teams. And and suddenly we started using it ourselves. I mean, is that how have you sort of structured maybe the business model or even the product itself to to make that kind of viral spread more easier for people? Yeah, we, we bet on consultants. Uh, we, we have a plan for consultants in our product. So mm-hmm. that is dedicated to work with uh, multiple customers. And this is pretty unique on the market, what we can see. So uh, consultants can use our product with their customers and the data will be separated from customer to customer. And uh, yeah, we, we, we see like big opportunity for us to expand our distribution. Mm-hmm. And we support consultants. So for example, this directory, is something that we do for our like power users, power consultants. So yep. we invite them to be a part of that so they can uh, promote their services to our customers. They can promote the templates they create uh, in our blog. They can tell the stories to our community. And we benefit from that because we connect our customers with some best-in-class uh, professionals. For example, a big uh, big des- uh, design thinking uh, consultancy, JustMad, is, is a huge a partner of ours, so they, they do a lot of things together with us, and that's a mutual beneficial thing. Okay, and do you think, given that your own background uh, running a design studio and obviously working as a consultancy, do you think you, you were just more aware maybe of, of the power of consultants from, from a very early stage and that they could be really powerful for, for helping to spread the product? Uh, yeah, partially, definitely that was the case, but on the other side, we try to follow our users and usage patterns in the product. Mm-hmm. So we try to continuously learn from what people do in our product, who uh, does what, and so on. So we figured out that there are a lot of consultants who use our product with their customers, and we just doubled down on that. Mm-hmm. So we try to build our product around major patterns, uh, major usage patterns, because the product is so horizontal. And you can shape it around like almost any idea, any use case, but you need to double down on what have the most traction. I mean, yeah, that's that's obviously a challenge. It is both a challenge and a blessing, I suppose, because it is it's like a real whiteboard in that you can pretty much use use it for anything. But obviously, there's there's particular people who are who are going to show uh, high usage and interesting usage patterns, and then that's that's what you decide to double down on. Exactly, exactly. And it's interesting, a significant inflection point in growth for us at Intercom was when we introduced a CSV import tool. So, you know, you didn't have to integrate a JavaScript snippet to, to get your customers into Intercom anymore. And, you know, Des and various people have, have spoken about this in terms of what it did for our growth. I mean, has there been any similar moments for you guys in terms of when you've seen sudden growth due to changes you've made in the product or maybe your business model? Yeah, uh, we, we, we did uh, several changes along the way. So one of the biggest changes we did in the past was uh, moving from personal subscription to team subscription. So it was back in 2015, I would say. 
at that time, Slack already gained some traction and they had like this team uh, account by default where a lot of products on the market had like individual plan by default. We, we also had individual plan, but we saw that people collaborate with each other. And we thought that it will be much easier for them if they will be within one team and they can have one entity and they can upgrade that entity. So we decided to switch to this team-based model. And that was a huge uh, driver for our growth back in the day. And we see how many products now appear as like a team first products. Yep. And this become a huge trend now. But back in the day, it was like a couple <laughs> of products. So that, that's one of those examples that enabled further growth for us. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode one is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt or die moment. It's inevitable that all businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise, old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service, and it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right, and see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. Moving from, from the personal to the team, I mean, that has all sorts of uh, implications, you know, and particularly, I suppose, in terms of things like onboarding, that suddenly you're, you're figuring out how to get groups of people using your product, not just an individual. Yeah, so onboarding is the thing that we constantly change. So we have a dedicated team that is working on onboarding within the product where we iterate on getting people to a aha moment, where we iterate on uh, showcasing the value of the products, on like explaining the use cases you can do in the product. And we try to tailor those things into the specific personas and the problems they came to the product with. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like we ran uh, tens of experiments around onboarding like uh, in a quarter. So, and that's a big focus for the team to make sure the onboarding is as good as possible for all the different personas and the use cases we have. And those aha moments, I mean, do you find, you know, have you actually just tracked, you know, okay, if people create three boards, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're hooked or is it to do with actually a number of collaborators? Like what, what are the sort of uh, the, the signs that someone's really starting to engage with, with, with your product and, and become hooked? Yeah, there are two steps people have to do. The first is uh, to create something meaningful. And the second is uh, to invite uh, others to collaborate on that. And these are two major steps we are trying to focus our users on. So first is like, we, we help you to understand what you can create or what problem it can solve for you. And then like how you can engage your team and make sure you build on top of each other ideas. 
So these are two major steps we take to make the activation rate as high as possible. And it's very easy, I mean, to invite someone and get them to collaborate. I mean, I certainly remember from, from my first experience with Miro that that was, you know, it, it was, yes, it was another tool, but certainly it was another tool that I was in very quickly. And the, I suppose the, the metaphor of a whiteboard is, is, is so easy to understand. Yeah, thank you. Uh, great to hear that worked for you. Like, <laughs> but I mean, is that an intentional thing in terms of just making sure that it, it is easy to get collaborators set up and, and, and working straight away? Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, another focus. So we try to make sure people get value in like uh, first 90 seconds. And to be there, you have to polish your user experience. And this is another focus our team has is like to make sure our user experience is super simple for anyone who joins. And Canvas tool is not like uh, a tool that like every person uses. There are a lot of people who come from documents, from uh, tables, from other type of tools. And Canvas is something new. For designers, it's much easier because they use Canvas-based tools a lot. But for others who are not like Canvas power users, Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of a new product model. And uh, we have to make sure they understand and it it works for them as simple as possible. Yeah, I mean, that that metaphor of a blank canvas can be actually scary for some people who are used to working in in spreadsheets or much more structured tools, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. And and especially when the canvas is infinite, so you can zoom out and and bring everything you want on one canvas. So, wow, it can be a mess if you not think about how to structure it. But on the other hand, it can be super powerful. We see some users add 20,000 widgets to the canvas. And it's like, it becomes like a huge canvas where you manage the big picture of your whole project or the whole strategy with all the projects. So we see those examples, like super big canvases. (laughs) We we have some product teams in in Intercom who could definitely, uh, 20,000 pieces on a a whiteboard. I think they'd like that. They definitely run out of space on our whiteboards. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a kind of unique proposition compared to Offline whiteboards, uh, you, you can't uh, move beyond the walls you have in the room, and here you can make it infinite. Yeah, that's pre- that's pretty cool. Who do you who do you see as your big competitors? Because I mean, uh, there is a lot of I suppose you talk about being a, a, cl- a visual collaboration platform, and that that's quite a broad definition. So, who does that bring in, in terms of competitors, and how important do you think it is even to focus on a competitors for for a company like at your stage? Uh, to, be, to be honest, we focus on the use cases. We, fo- we focus on the value that we can create to our users and customers. We don't see any company who is building something similar to what we build. We see a lot of companies who focus on specific use cases. Think about like mind mapping, uh, diagramming, uh, wireframing, user story mapping. So those specific use cases that can be done within one product, we try to build a platform where you can do all of those things and you don't need to switch between tools and you can have all your creative process, thinking stage processes in one place. And we don't see any, any, any company who do that. So our major kind of challenge is to make sure that all these things are done uh, pretty high quality and that there is a seamless switch from stage to stage, from artifact to artifact. And this is where we see the most challenge. So if we think about our competitors, we, we compete with the kind of the for the time of uh, of users so where they spend their time and like you can do the same use case in a lot of different tools starting from like a physical whiteboard and ending up with a uh, spreadsheet or like Airtable or Notion or uh, like any other tool but all those tools are, are absolutely great and we use them uh, inside our company as well but the thing is like for some 
cases you need a canvas. For some cases, you need more structured type of, document, of tools. Mm-hmm. And that's where we come helpful when you need a canvas. And I suppose, you know, you, you mentioned some of those tools at the moment. And I think, you know, there is definitely a move in, in SaaS and in broader software industry to creating tools that are, that are really useful for distributed teams. Is that definitely the trend that you're, that you're capitalizing on? I mean, obviously, the use cases you're looking at, they do tend to be the teams that get distributed first, product teams and, and design teams. Yeah, absolutely. We see this trend and uh, we, as a distributed team, we are mostly on Slack, Zoom, Mira, G Suite, and Confluence. These are tools that are used among the whole company. And then we have like more than 50 other tools that are used by different teams within the company. And I like some new tools that appear uh, like Remote HQ or Tandem, for example. These are great tools that are like remote-first tools. So they were designed for remote uh, teams who, who start their journey as a remote team or a fully distributed team. And I see this trend coming more and more where all these tools appear and they solve a lot of real problems. I was impressed recently. I, I had a meeting with Remote HQ founders Mm-hmm. at Remote HQ. And I was so impressed by the tool. I, I, I've shared with them, I had like three aha moments. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like before when I discovered the tool, when we had the first session, and then when I came back like next day to that tool, because yeah, it was like I had the whole log of our conversation and all the assets we created during our meeting. So it was so impressive. And yeah, there are a lot of these tools com- coming into the market. That's a very uh, almost superhuman-esque experience. Your, your, your first call is with the founders, so you're kind of getting onboarded by the founders then with the product, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I found that tool, like, building this great tool. Can we do an integration? So I've mentioned that we start to bring Mira into any other tool uh, you, you can imagine for collaboration, for productivity, and they were super open for that. We had a conversation. We played inside their tool on our first meeting. And then in a couple of days, we saw Mira inside Remote HQ. And that was like amazing because now, now like people can have um, these two tools uh, used together. And uh, I was impressed how, how uh, quickly uh, guys are moving with all these integrations and developing their uh, internal ecosystem. So and, uh, yeah, that was a great experience we had. And uh, you mentioned, obviously, that Miro is one of your core tools that the team use. And, you know, I suppose similar to, to Intercom, you you use your own tool to, to, to run the company. Is, is there, like, pros and cons to that? Because I'm sure you guys are really pushing the boundaries in terms of what you use Miro for, because, you know, it's the tool you're familiar with and you're building. And, you know, potentially that pulls you in all sorts of directions that, you know, your your users may never want to use the tool like that, but because you know, because it's your own tool, you're 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 definitely using it in unusual ways. What what what's what's your thinking on that? Yeah, it's a great question. So we do not push uh, using Mira inside the Mira, so it's it happens organically, and uh, we see the same use cases people use outside of Mira. Absolutely the same use cases. Some are more frequent. So for example, our whole product development, we, we run it on Mira, and we do like all marketing huddle boards in Mira. We do like sales strategy planning in Mira. So we do a lot of things in Mira and we see some other companies do the same. The question is like, how, how frequent is that of this use case? In product development, we see absolutely the same use cases across almost every company who uses Mira. In some other uh, parts of the world, like sales, marketing, uh, people, L&D. So there are the same use cases, but we find them uh, less frequently because, you know, it's like whiteboard is really popular within product dev. And all other functions use it, but they use it more rare. So that's why uh, we, we can see those use cases more rare 
Yeah. And the fun, fun, fun part about it is that, uh, like, I see some use cases I would never do in Mira inside our company, and I'm asking guys, like, guys, why, why, why you did it in Mira? So that, that doesn't make sense. Like, why we don't use Spreadsheet for that? And <laughs> so, yeah, it, it become uh, yeah. In some cases, it's really fun to see what the team uses it for, but it's organic, so people love Mira. Yeah, you have to realize that. Yeah, your 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 own company are not necessarily a typical uh, typical use case. Yeah, absolutely. And just in terms of uh, your your own sort of team, you're you're distributed. You're you know you've what four or five offices around the globe at this stage. What what sort of scale are you at, and what kind of challenges are are, are coming with that at the moment? Yeah, we we have 210 people now across four hubs in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Perm, and Amsterdam. And we have this concept of distributed headquarters in our company as our leadership sits in every hub I've mentioned. And we find it crucial to be distributed as a team to feel the pain of our current and potential customers, what pain they have as well. And I personally think that this distributed thing should be our DNA. And for example, now we double down on building our product development team in Amsterdam hub. And of course, we use Mira to enable processes. And we see how hard it is when your like, development team is distributed. And we call it drinking our own champagne every day. <laughs> and we do it across the whole organization. And for us, it's hard to imagine like some processes uh, without Mira, to be honest. Like uh, people really rely on Mira in, in the work. And so you deliberately... You know, because we actually, I think, uh, took the opposite approach where we deliberately tried not to have teams split between offices for as long as possible. But you're almost deliberately saying, you know, let's have marketing people in all four offices. Let's have, you know, product people in all four offices. Is that is that the way you've approached it? So to, to clarify a little bit, we, we think that product development teams should sit together. And when I say product development teams, I mean like engineers, designers, product marketing managers, QA and like analysts, so they should be collocated. But mm-hmm. then there are teams that can sit in different offices and they anyway have to communicate between each other. Mm-hmm. So this is the way how we design our company. Okay, that's that's quite interesting. And what's next for Miro? I mean, what can we expect in 2020? Yeah, so we double down on our platform. Uh, we start to build communities across the globe. So we invite people who want to run our communities and share some best practices to like uh, apply for that. So this is a big thing we want to do. We want to unite people offline. And on the product side, we are iterating on several cool (laughs) features that will be launched soon. Uh, We want to make sure that this experience of creation is not ending up when you just create something. We want people uh, make it very easy to share things and where stakeholders can like you know, contribute to the ideas and easily easily digest the ideas that people create within the teams. So we, we want to make sure that the product is easy, shareable, and uh, consumed by people outside of the like core, core uh, product experience. That's uh, what we are focused now on. And that obviously seems to be in a pretty successful strategy in the past for you because you know you have some pretty pretty big names in your, on your your customer list. You know, Dell, Netflix, IKEA, Spotify. I mean, is that largely down to the sort of freemium model that you 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 get the get people using it, and then obviously once you get into companies like that, you you obviously do everything you can to encourage them to to move to a paid. Exactly, but yeah, we see more these companies are moving to a paid plan rather than we encourage them. So mm-hmm. they just like adopt the product, and several teams adopt the product, and then they see the value of it, and they start looking into more security 
uh, features in more advanced user management, in some other value that we provide on enterprise level. And they start to be like uh, bigger customers of ours. And for example, uh, we, we are proud of all of them. And we have customers in all different verticals. One of them is Pivotal, uh, which deployed the product across almost the whole org. And they are like behind this extreme programming things. So mm-hmm. One of the like well-known agile practices. And we recently did a kind of a research inside our product. Uh, who is creating uh, most number of sticky notes in the product? Like what company creates? And it was yeah. pivotal. <laughs> it was not a surprise for me. I was in their <laughs> office a couple times in San Francisco. This company is like, it's run on sticky notes. (laughs) And uh, they they created like enormous number of sticky notes in our product, which we're really proud of to to have these customers. And they built already some really cool uh, plugin on our platform that is enabled for a lot of people across their organization. So they start to tailor the experience for for their internal users, which is really cool as well. So we we see how this uh, platform thing gains traction with it best like biggest customers we have yeah no uh, pivotal have a have an office here in uh, dog patch labs in dublin i can confirm they definitely love sticky notes in real life as well as uh, on their virtual boards <laughs> absolutely absolutely so that, that was like surprise because uh, it was hard to imagine they will move some processes to 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 the cloud and that happened like we see those sticky notes <laughs> in mirror now that's pretty pretty cool Andre, that's that's been re- really really insightful. Um, but before we let you go, we'd love to know: Is there a business leader that you aspire to in your work, or who inspires you, other than obviously Miro, the uh, the Spanish artist? Yeah, so I think that I personally very impressed with Eric Yuan, uh Zoom founder. He is a super humble person, and but I see he is super resultive and open and very outcomes focused. He built an amazing product. And his company is moving so fast and they delivered so much value in a short period of time. And I'm trying to follow how they do this. And yeah, this is super impressive for me. How you can build like amazing company in, in, in that short period of time and like creating people happy, like making people happy. I think uh, there was a lot of people very interested when they, when they filed their S1 papers and people began to see what, you know, the business model and, and the growth of that company had been through. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Cool, Andre. And finally, just where can people keep up with you? Are you active on LinkedIn, Twitter? Where, where can they keep up? Yeah, with well, well, LinkedIn is the place where I spend most time. So I'm happy to connect and uh, have chats there. And uh, yeah, uh, I try to share some interesting information around the company, the industry there as well. So happy, happy to be connected there with, with the community. Okay, well, thanks, Andre. And thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Andre. We'll be back next week with another great interview, this time from our second series of Scale, our show dedicated to the strategies and frameworks that drive growth after the startup phase. Our guest is Nick Franklin from ChartMogul, the analytics platform for subscription businesses. Don't miss that or any other upcoming episodes by subscribing on iTunes, Overcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, if you do enjoy the show, consider leaving us a review. It really helps spread the word.